Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. The book of Philippians and the fourth chapter. The book of Philippians and the fourth chapter. Fourth chapter of the book of Philippians. Every time I teach on the subject of prayer, I get to this scripture. And once I get to this scripture, I seem to run out of time. So, I'm going to give myself an hour <laughs> on this scripture. Amen? How's that? That way, I'll run out of time on something else. <laughs> Already God. Philippians, the fourth chapter and verse six. Well, really, now as I was arguing with the Lord as to just what I would minister on, you always lose out in the end. <laughs> Amen? You always lose out in the end. That's just the way it is. You know, you think you're not going to do it, but you're going to do it by the time you get up here, so I'm just going to do it. In this scripture here, Philippians, the fourth chapter, verse six, Paul writing to the church at Philippi said, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Our Father, we thank you for the word. We approach it reverently. We approach it humbly. Thanking you for its power to transform and transfigure lives. I call upon the Great One, the Holy Spirit of God within us, to illuminate it to our minds, to give us direction to our spirits, that we might walk in the light thereof. In Jesus' precious, holy, and mighty name, amen. Paul here writing to the church says the first two words, be careful for nothing. Be careful. Be careful for nothing. And in one translation, it says, don't be worried, anxious, or fretful, have anxiety about anything. And when we're talking about a relationship with the Father God and we're talking about getting answers to prayers and having the Lord minister to our needs, it seems as though we want to go right into prayer and jump right into prayer, but we're leaving out the first two words of this Scripture. He said, be careful for nothing. Don't be concerned. Don't have worry. Don't have frets. And don't have anxiety. As I began to meditate on that and think about what he's saying here, I said, you know, Lord, if, if, if people would just do that first part of that verse, I could actually see how it would work out in a person's life that they probably wouldn't have to pray if they did that. You stop and think about it. A lot of sickness and disease comes from worry. Why do we hear the expression? I don't like to use these expressions. I will use it for the purpose of teaching. They worry themselves sick. Or they worry themselves to death. Amen? A lot of people will go to uh, the medical field and try to seek help. And they'll say, there's nothing we can do for them. They're just a nervous wreck. It's all mental. 
They're depressed. They're down. They're in despair. Why? Why? Well, there's nothing we can help them physically because there's nothing wrong with them physically other than the fact they have... Matter of fact, and these are the very words of some physicians, they just have symptoms in their bodies. Well, where do these symptoms come from? Well, it's they're, they're so nervous. They're full of distress. They're so worried. They're so concerned about things that it just drove them this way. What is it about being worried and being careful and being full of anxiety and fretting and all this? What does this have to do with the makeup of the human body and the system? Why was Jesus so explicit when he told us in the sixth chapter of the book of Matthew? As a matter of fact, let's turn there and read some things that Jesus said. And notice the areas that he touched in his Sermon on the Mount. Begin reading with verse 25. And if you haven't done this already in your Bible, underline everywhere he says, take no thought. Take no thought. Take no thought. Now look at the very first verse here, verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. And in my, I don't know about your Bible, but in my Bible... It gives you a little uh, reference here, and it says, Be not anxious. Be not anxious. Take no thought, or be not anxious, for your life. Take no thought for your life. Don't be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, nor yet for your body, what you, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they are? Well, which of you then by taking thought? Underline taking thought. By being anxious. By being worried. By being fretful. Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto a stature? And why, again underline it, take he thought? Why take ye thought? For raiment, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed such as one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? Underline that expression. You know why he said, O ye of little faith? Because you were taking thought. The person that is full of anxiety, worry, fret, fretful, cares, this person is considered to be of little faith. What's he saying here? The fowls of the air. God the Father feeds them. But you don't think God the Father will feed you. You think he's more concerned about a sparrow than he's concerned about your life. Consider the lives of the field. They're arrayed even greater than Solomon was in all his glory. Yet, you think the Father can't provide clothing for you. So you're worried about it. And he says, what's your worrying going to do in your life? What is it going to do for you? 
Worrying will not clothe you. Worrying will not feed you. But the emphasis is on the fact that the Father God is clothing them and feeding them, yet you think that you're not in the sight of the Father God as worthy as the fowls of the air and the flowers of the field. And they're going to be cast into the, the, the flowers will be cast into the oven, he said. Oh, he said, ye of little faith, if God the Father will clothe the grass of the field, how much more will he clothe you? Let's go on. Therefore, for that reason, what is it there for, the therefore? It's therefore because since the Father God will do that for the birds and will do that for the flowers of the field, how much more will he do it for you? Therefore, don't take any thought. Matter of fact, don't even, take the, don't even consider it. Have no anxiety. Have no worry. Therefore, take no thought saying. I want you to note the fact that the thought is taken when you say it. Take no thought saying. People are always saying what they can't do. People are always saying what they're worried about. People are always saying, you see, saying their problems and saying that all these things, it's just so negative. They're just being so negative. They're so concerned about all these things. They're saying what they can't do. They're saying what their problem is. They're saying they can't make the money last to the end of the month. They're saying they can't do all these things. And so consequently, Jesus said, take no thought. Don't be fretful and worried and full of anxiety by saying what you can't do. Just because the circumstances around you are dictating that to you. Take no thought saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things did the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Again, Underline this phrase. Take therefore no thought. No anxious thought, my reference says, for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Take no thought. Be not anxious. Be not concerned. And if you stop and talk with people, you find out that they're always fearful and concerned about how they're going to pay their bills, how they're going to provide for their children, where is the next dollar going to come from, how are they going to feed their kids, how are the beloved, the walk of faith is a, is a walk with your Father God. I think sometimes when we hear faith teachers preach and teach, I think we get the emphasis on the word and not realizing that God is the Word. And we put more faith in a book than we put in the author of the book. You know who wrote that book? The one that created the universe. You know who's being called your father? The one that made all things. That's who did it. As I look at the book, it's just unveiling to me someone that I don't see with my physical eye. And it should be, the word should be to you, giving us an image of who our Father is and what He is like. Our Father will never change. He's always the same. He's already told us that in His Word. He's unchangeable. He's so concerned about you and I 
that he went to the extreme of giving us his son. Now we know that. And he went on to say that if I did that, how much more will I give you everything that you need? Well, then why is it that we can't get past the first step in prayer, which is casting your care upon him? Well, I figured it out why. I figured out why. First of all, some people don't know how to cast their care on him. And second of all, they don't know that he careth for them. Now turn to 1 Peter 5, 7 and we'll read that. Number one, they don't know how to cast their care on him. And number two, they don't know he cares for them. Oh, beloved, when you find out that your father cares for you, when you realize you have a heavenly father that's concerned about every hair on your head. I like what Brother Charles Capp said. That's why I wear mine up in the air so that Father God could count them easy. <laughs> Amen. But you don't have to wear it up on a crew cut just to find out if the Father God could count them. Amen. Your father knows how many hairs you have on your head. But realize this. Your relationship with God, if you want to call him God, is that between a father and a child. Your heavenly Father knoweth you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all those things you have need of, they'll be added to you. Who are we dealing with? Somebody who's telling us fairy tales and stories? Somebody who, who's making great, you know, statements of supposed truth and he's unable to back them up? I mean, someone could say, well, I'd love to give you a million dollars, but if you didn't have the million dollars to give, it wouldn't do you much good, would it? But the fellow that said this, beloved, is a fellow that can back up every statement that he said. Amen? He can back up everything that he said. And his throne stands behind all that he said. So if this fellow said it, he can do it. And I'll go a step further than that. If he said it, he's not a liar. To say it and just to strike up your thinking and to get you all excited and just, you know, get you, you know, rip-roaring ready to just, just to take off in, in, in spiritual things and then say, I was only kidding. He's not like that. Amen? God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. If God said it, he'll do it. And if he spoke it, he'll make it good. He cannot lie. And sometimes I seem to think, we think God can lie. Because of our actions. Because of how we're so concerned and worried about situations that we don't trust him fully. With every circumstance that's, you know, of our lives that surround us. Whether it be what we eat, what we drink, what we wear, where we live. In other words, provision for everything. But over here in 1 Peter, the 5th chapter, verse 7, he said, uh, Casting all of your care, or the whole of your care, on him, for he careth for you. Now somebody I know has the Amplified Bible. Read, just shout that out and I'll repeat it over here. What it says from the Amplified Bible, please. Somebody? Anybody have the Amplified Bible? Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries. Casting the whole of your care, all of your anxieties, all of your worries. 
all your concerns once and for all on Him. For He cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Boy, now that's somebody I like to cast my care on. Affectionately and watchfully. Did you ever stop and think about the affection of God towards you? He cares for you affectionately. Sometimes I think people think that God tells them to do something just because he's a big old meanie up there with a bullwhip. And if you don't go off there and do it, he's just going to crack you over the back. But you know, our Father God's not like that. Anything that, you need to, that he needs for you to do is really a step of love. And everything that he tells you or dictates to you to do is something that will be beneficial for your life. And it's what you need to do in life so that your life, not only up there with him, but your life down here on earth will be one that will be a prosperous one or one that will be a successful one. Now, let me give you an example. Because I want to show you how to cast your care upon him. Because he cares for you. This is the first thing to realize in getting any prayer answered, getting your needs met, is how to cast all my worries, anxieties, and frets and concerns upon him because he cares for me. Some have been trying to get your loved ones saved, but you've never really cast it. You've done it. You've tried too many times. I hope you can get this when I say it because sometimes you've got to say it over and over and over and over again until you get it into someone's heart. Trying to cast your care on him is like trying to go to the store. What do you mean you're trying to go to the store? You've got a car out there? Yes. You have the keys to the car? Yes. You know how to drive? Yes. Go to the store. Well, I'm trying. What do you mean you're trying to go to the store? Did you ever everybody say, well, you know, I'm trying to go to the store. I mean, that would be silly. That would be foolish. Uh, what are you doing there sitting at that table? I'm trying to eat. Forks right there, the knife's right there, spoon's right there, and the food's on the plate. What do you mean you're trying to eat? I've been sitting here for an hour now. I've been trying to eat. I don't understand you. What do you mean? You sound foolish to me. Well, when someone knows how to cast your care on the Lord, you come off and say, well, I've been trying to cast my care on the Lord the last 15 years. You'd starve by then. Amen? And then really that's what they're doing. They're starving spiritually. Why, you say? Because they've not learned to do it. They're trying to do it. I'm trying to be righteous. Why are you trying to be righteous? You are righteous. Don't try to be righteous. I'm trying to live for God. Why? Are you born again? Yes, you're living for God. I'm trying to have faith. Why are you trying to have faith? You have faith. I'm trying to be a man. You were born that way. Don't have to try to be. You were born that way. Well, weren't you born righteous? Weren't you born with faith? Aren't these things true? Amen. So don't try. Don't try to cast your care on him. Do it. And when I say that, someone says, well, how? <laughs> well, how do you eat? <laughs> you just do it. Amen. Well, I'll show you how. And uh, the Lord has led me to do this so I'm going to do it. He's led me to, to use some of my own personal life. That There's still some things I haven't told you. 
that I may get out <laughs> in, in a while here. But, you know, the Lord calls us to do things and tells us to do things, and uh, we're supposed to do the things that He wants us to do. But some, for some unknown reason, people seem to think that when God tells you to do something, that you have got to do all the work. You have got to do all the work. And they don't know how to cast the care upon the Lord and let Him do the work through you and just be a vessel of that work. Now, when the Lord told me and said to me to, to go to school, uh, I'd like to give to you the picture in, uh, along these lines. I was to go to school because He told me to go to school. Hath He spoken it? Yes. Well, I'm going to do it. He's going to make it good. Well, right away someone starts getting all upset and worried about, well now, how in the world are we going to do this? How are we going to get, sell our house? How are we going to do this? How are we going to go to school? How, what are we going to do with our furniture? What are we going to do with this? What are we going to do with that? You know, the Lord called, told me to do this and I just don't know what to do, brother. All worried. All full of cares. All full of fretting. All full of anxiety. Why? Listen to me. When the Lord said to go to school, I had everything to worry about. Had a wife who was pregnant. Had to leave my good and well-paying job. And the hospitalization that was with it. Now, if any of you know what I'm talking about, when you're ready to, your wife's ready to have a child, that hospitalization comes in pretty good. Amen? Someone said it like this. Well, don't be concerned about Blue Cross, because we live by the old rugged cross. Amen? So next time you think about that, God has something better. If man comes up with Blue Cross, he came up with the old rugged cross, and blessed be God, it's a lot better than theirs. Amen? Best policy around. And so if I had to go by the circumstances of life and just to think about all that was around me, uh, I wouldn't have done it. But we were led by the Spirit of God actually along the lines of casting our care upon Him without really knowing much about casting my care upon Him. So I said, uh, and it seemed like maybe, I don't know if, if, if someone just, I guess maybe because you are so simple, you get wisdom a little bit quicker sometimes when you're simple. I just says, well, now, Lord, you said to go, and I'm going to tell you what. If you're not big enough to put it over, and nobody is, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to be concerned about it. Well, how are you going to, everybody said, how are you going to pay for the child? And you know when you start doing things like that, you have a family. That's, family are the ones that really can get to you. Know. Well, now, now, that's stupid. I mean, he has, he has really flipped his lid. He was one of the best boys around. You know, but now it seems like he's, gone, he's found religion and he's gone off the deep end. He's left his job. He's left his hospitalization. His wife's going to have a baby. He was never like that before. What do you think was wrong with this fella? And you get it from every end and every angle. And the devil tries to put everything around you just to destroy everything that, you know, you believe in. Oh, you could just talk, chalk it up to experience, friends, that when God tells you to do something, you're going to have 150 people telling you why you shouldn't. And if you're not alert enough, you may just not do it because of all that everybody else has told you. Never confer with flesh and blood when God speaks to you. Amen. So I just sat back and said, uh, I put two and two together, I come up with four. If God told me to do it, I don't have a concern. I don't have a worry. I don't have a fret or an anxiety. Because you know why? If God told me to do it, I said, huh, he's obligated 
to meet my every need. Now, if he didn't tell you to do it, and you go out there and do it on your own, then you better either have a lot of faith or just make sure you know you're in the will of God. Someone says, well, what do you mean by being in the will of God? I, I, I've seen, I've seen mi even ministers so unhappy. They're out there preaching the gospel. I mean, they're doing anything for the Lord, preaching up a storm, preaching the word of God, preaching faith, and just, just doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it and be downtrodden and depressed and wondering, what in the world is wrong? I preach the word of God. I'm, I preach faith. I preach the Bible. I don't understand it. I say, well, brother, do you know that God wants you there? Well, I never gave it a second thought. Why not? Well, I just figured preaching the gospel, just preaching the gospel. Yeah, but I could have preached it in Tulsa, Oklahoma. But God wanted me in Midland, Pennsylvania. Isn't that right? I would have been a miserable person. I'd been a Christian, but a miserable one if I'd have stayed there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I had to come here to where I was in the will of God. So if God tells you to do something and you're in his will and, and you know that's his will for you, beloved, all you've got to do is just sit back and watch the blessings flow. I mean, you could just sit, sit back in your easy chair, kick up your heels, just stand faith, and watch the Spirit of God work everything out for you. I'm not saying you're not going to have a fight, good fight of faith, because you always fight that. But I'm talking about you'll be able to see beyond all the circumstances that lie around you into the realm of faith and knowing that the Father God is taking care of all these things. I sat back there with all that negative speaking and said, what my wife and I both, I'm not concerned about it. If God can't do it after he told me to go there, well, then he's not big enough to put it over. What kind of a God is going to tell me to pack up my bags and go to another state a thousand miles away from no man's life, from any, 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 anybody I know, and just go down there and leave me down there helpless and leave me down there with a wife that's pregnant and no way of supporting our lives? What kind of a father God would do that? One that cares for you watchfully and affectionately? That doesn't sound like a father God that cares about a person affectionately and watchfully, does it? No. No. But you see, when you know that the father God cares about you affectionately and watchfully, you can sit back and just watch as he does the work. So he sat back. And we watched the father God work everything out right before our face. I just says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be obedient. And you know some of the testimony. He instantly sold our house in the first day. Sold a car, first time it was in the paper to go down there. Everything that we had to do to go to school was done boom, 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 just like that. And someone says, whoa, dear Lord, what, what do you got, some kind of a hotline? No, I heard the voice of God. I know what he said for me to do. And I'm not going to be concerned or worried about it. Now I'm going to give you something else that's going to tickle some of you to life. When I was, when I came back and I was, I won't say where... But when I came back and, and, and it was found out that I was going to come down here to this church. Oh, let me tell you something. You don't want to go down to that church. That is one of the worst churches for anybody to go to. Why would you want to go to a church like that? And I mean, I had opposition all around. I knew God spoke in my spirit and says, now you're going to go be the next pastor of that church. But everybody's saying, now what in the world do you want to go live down there for? And all the opposition, and all the negative side, and all the, everybody's so concerned and worried about this, and well, you want to live down there, and you want to do this. And I said, dear Lord, don't people have any sense, and don't they understand that God's on your side? When the Father God tells you to do something, friends, you best believe you're going to be the, in the best state of your life.
You know you're in the perfect will of God. You could sit back in your easy chair and just slip up your hands and say, Father, I know I'm in your perfect will. And watch your faith begin to work. So simple. You don't have to have a concern or a worry or a fret. And I said, I'm going to go. And I don't care what anybody else says or thinks. I'm going to say this. When I go, I will not take a concern, a worry, a care. I will not miss a meal or lose a night's sleep over this church. I said, in the first place, I'm not going to be the one that's doing it. I'm going to go there, and I don't care what kind of problems or what kind of this or what kind of that or anything that comes up my way, I will not take the care. Because if God the Father cannot take care of a church, then nobody can. See, you all thought I had to do it, didn't you? Someone said to me, well, you started out with just a few people, and now you've got a lot of people coming to your church. Isn't that taking a lot of care now? No, no. I said, well, isn't it a lot, lot harder for you now? I said, no, why? What's the difference if you got 30 or 300 or 500 or 1,000? If you didn't take no care with 30 and still don't take no care with 1,000, then you still have no care. It's just as easy. Amen? So you don't have any care. See, with God, circumstances don't mean anything. He's bigger than 300 and 3,000 and a half of me, and it doesn't matter how many's out there. He's bigger than all that. It doesn't mean necessarily there won't be anything that you do on your part. Of course, you've got something to do. But the concern and the worrying and the fretting and the anxiety is not to be yours. Okay. Now, think about this. A problem exists. It's right here. The problem's there. You need X amount of dollars by such and such a time. Now, here's a problem. It's your problem. It's in, it's, it's in your life. You start to get worried. You start to get fretful. You start to get concerned. Now, you put your, your problem or your concern, whatever you're carrying with you, because I know some of you are, because the Spirit of God already told off on you. And you take that and you put it whatever yours might have been or whatever it is right now. And then here it is. It's right before you. And uh, you hear faith being preached and someone says, well, you know, them faith preachers, they, preachers, they tell you just ignore the problem. No, no, that's the wrong, wrong, wrong idea. You're hearing wrong. The problem exists. It's here. It's right there. You put one fellow on this side and you put one fellow on this side. It's the same problem. This fellow right over here, he is a worry wart. He's concerned. He's full of fretting and anxiety. He's anxious. He is so concerned about this problem, he's worrying himself sick over this problem. May I ask you this? What does his worrying have to do with the problem? What will his worrying do to resolve the problem? I'm not talking about its existence. It's there. But what is his worrying doing about the problem? Nothing. He has the same thing. Same situation in his life. Same identical problem. Same thing. And he sits back and says, Yeah, I know what I need. I know what it looks like. But you know what, honey? I'm not going to take a fret, a worry, concern, a care. 
Blessed be the Holy One of Israel. God is on my side. I will not fret. I will not be fearful. I'll not be worried about anything. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. And everybody else thinks this guy is some kind of a maniac. But he sits back there and he starts to release the power of God from within inside his spirit. He's full of joy. It's the joy of the Lord. It's his strength. He's always on fire for God. Amen? Every time you see him, I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. Glory be to God. How can you be with that problem staring you right in the face? Didn't you ever read in the Bible where it said, be careful for nothing? Now, how in the world, with one problem, do we get two different kind of people, both Christians, mind you, one can't get his problem resolved, and plus he's worrying himself into lesser days of living. Now, we try to put all this blame on the Lord and we don't put it where it's supposed to be. The fella did not listen to the commandment of God. Be careful for nothing. How do I cast my care upon the Lord to resolve this problem? You're not casting really, you're not getting, let me say it this way, you're not taking the problem and ignoring the problem. You're not turning your back on the problem. It's there, it exists, but how am I casting my care on him? Well, since you asked that, I'll tell you how. You go to your Bible. You find out, first of all, you know what your problem is. Let's say your problem is, like I said, finances, and you need so much money by such, such and such a day or time. Look over there in the book of Philippians. And the uh, fourth, same fourth chapter, and verse 19, and we read, But my God shall supply all of your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now that's what the Word says. The problem is, I need $200 by the end of this month. I need that money. Got to have it. Well, the person that's full of fretting and anxiety, the per per person that's so worried about it, he keeps talking about this problem. Where in the world are we going to get this problem, this money? Honey, what are we going to do? Oh, if we don't get this money, we're going to lose our business. If we don't get this money, we're going to get kicked out of our apartment. If we don't get this money, we're going to get kicked out of our house. If we don't get this money, oh, how in the world are the kids going to have clothes for school? And, 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 and before, he just keeps talking up a storm, and all he's talking about is how concerned and how worried it is. he is. Whatever your problem is, now you just relate to it. And that's all he's doing. He is directly being disobedient to the Word of God when Jesus said, Take no anxious thought for anything. How can you by worrying add one cubit to your stature? How can this worry and this fretting and this anxiety do anything for you except make you nervous? The worrying does not change the problem. Faith is not dismissing the problem. <coughs> Getting rid of the worry is getting into faith. Getting into faith will work to change the problem. Now, the person 
that opens up his Bible here to Philippians 4.19, looks to the word before the Lord. He opens it up and he says, Father, Father, notice, Father, you that made the heavens and the earth, the stars, the sea, all that in them is, you made me, you made all the money there is in the world, silver and gold, the cattle on a thousand hills, all yours, Father, your treasures, your storehouses are full and overflowing, Father, did you notice that we just got this notice in the mail and it says that if, unless we have this $200, they're going to close our business. Did you notice that, those words, did you? Father, did you also notice that you said in your word, you supply all my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus? Did you notice that? Father, I remember that Jesus said, don't be concerned or take no anxious thought for anything. I remember that you said by the Spirit of God through the Apostle Paul, be careful for nothing. Don't be concerned. Don't worry about it. So, Father, I'm not going to be concerned about it. As far as I'm concerned, if you ain't big enough to provide for me, they can take my house. What kind of talk is that? Faith talk. As far as I'm concerned, Father God, I'm not going to lose one night's sleep or miss one meal over that. If you haven't made that decision, friends, don't even go to step two. Don't even pray. Because if you're going to worry about it, if you're going to fret about it, if you're going to be anxious about it, your prayer will be ineffective. Because the next part of that, Philippians 4, 6 said, But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So if you're going to be worried and concerned and fretful about it, then you're not going to be able to let God work on your behalf. You will not cast your care upon Him because he, and knowing that He cares for you. Because first of all, you don't know that God cares for you. God cares for you. The Father God cares for you. The Father God has a storehouse. The Father God has all the riches. He has all healing power. The Father God cares for you individually, watchfully and affectionately, and you don't know that. But the person that knows that will be the one that will just look the Father God right in the face of His Word and say, Father, I refuse to worry or be concerned. I'm saying it to you right now. I refuse to fret or have anxiety or thought about any of this. Of my circumstances. There's the bill. There's the Bible. I choose to look to your word. I look to your word right now. You say you supply my need according to your riches and glory. But Christ Jesus, the Father God, now. I will not fret now. I'm asking in prayer. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to meet that need. I receive the $200 now. I thank you for it. I praise you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So be it. You go to sleep that night. You said you're not going to lose any sleep over it. And the first thought comes to your mind. Notice, the first thought that comes. Jesus said, take no thought saying. The first thought that comes to your mind 
You fool, do you really think you're going to get that money? Well, some people will sit back there and go, oh dear Lord. And I mean, they get upset about it. And then they start to complain and get all worried and frustrated again. But you see, the man who's cast his care upon him, the same situation there, he doesn't have the money in his hand yet. He's received it by faith. He throws back the covers. He puts on his little nightlight. Flips over to the Bible. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Mr. Devil. No, I don't think I'm going to get that money. I have it now. Mark eleven twenty four says, What things serve you desire? When you pray, believe, receive. You shall have. I have it now. It is written. Be careful for nothing. So I'm not going to be careful. I'm not going to have a care or a worry or afraid about any of this. Didn't you know that my father said, If I cast all my care upon him, he cares for me? So you'll have to take it up with the master. I'm going back to sleep. And he slips over to one of his demons and says, We didn't program that guy to be like that. What happened to him? And them demons start to converse. We'll get him. Watch this. He gets up in the morning and he says, uh, He's getting himself all shaved up and ready to go to work. And, and a little thought comes to his head and says, Why don't you just go on down to the bank and borrow some of that money? Wouldn't that be a good idea? Now remember, take no thought saying. Take no thought saying. With a fellow that he's all worried about, says, runs to his wife and says, Honey, we prayed about it. I know we prayed about it. But you think maybe we should go off down to the bank and, and uh, borrow the money or call your mom or dad or somebody, try to see if we can get it somehow? See, that fellow's worried. That fellow's concerned. That fellow's driving himself. He, he's just a wreck. That fellow hasn't cast his care upon the Lord. If you'd ask me, he'd say, oh, yes, brother, I prayed. When did you pray? Well, about a day ago. Uh, what do you believe? Oh, I just cast that thing on the Lord, did you? Yeah, I said, well, what are you so worried about? Well, you know, we've got to make provision. Well, what if? You know they said they're going to close my business down if I don't have that money. See, that, that fellow doesn't understand one thing about faith. That fellow's so worried and concerned and so fretful. He's so angry. The first thought that comes, he starts telling us why. Well, we better go off on down here and do it. You never know what's going to happen. First sign of adversity, they get all upset, all worried, all concerned. But the other fella, he's shaving. That thought comes to his head and says, why don't you go off down to the bank and borrow that? And he begins to chuckle on the inside. Huh. Blessed be God, borrow what money? You know that $200. What $200. Oh, the $200 you need to get yourself out of that bread. Mr. Devil, in case you, you know, can't see what the Word says, I've already got it. I've already received it. I asked my father who owns the cattle on a thousand hills and all the silver and all the gold. And when I asked him, I know he heard me. And because I know he heard me, I know I have the petition I desire of him. So you might as well go off and just uh, forget about it, because I'm not going to lose one ounce of sleep. I'm not going to be worried or concerned, because I have it. My father provided it for me.
when I prayed. Now, what's going on here? The problem is still there. Staring both of them right in the face. One refuses to worry. The other one... Yeah, he prayed all right, but you see, he's so full of worry and so full of anxiety. He's trying to do it on his own. He's, that's what's wrong with most ministers. They try to pastor church by themselves. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. As far as I'm concerned, all i got to do is be here. Amen? I'm just an under-shepherd. My information comes from the great shepherd. I'm just like a mediator. I'm just going to stand here and just tell you what he said. Are you ready to take what he said? He said, tell them to start casting their cares on me and get rid of their worries and anxieties and fears and frets and they'll get their prayers answered. That's what he said. And get out of the self-pity because you didn't get my prayer answered and you don't know how it is. Get that away from you and start looking under the Father God who cares about you affectionately and watchfully. Cast your care upon Him and let Him do it for you. Now, the problem still exists. Now, they both come to church, and this just happens to be testimony night. And uh, everybody's just rejoicing and praising the Lord. And the pastor says, you know, would somebody like to testify for the Lord? Say, yeah. I asked the Lord, you know, and one fellow gets up and he tells all his problems. But I, I asked the Lord to meet my need, and He tells the whole church. And if I don't get this two hundred dollars, I'm going to be out. They're going to—I'm going to lose my business. I'm going to do this, and and I don't know what I'm going to do. And I know how I'm going to feed my kids, and this and that, and the other thing. And before you know it, everybody's crying in the church, crying the blues. You know, he's all oh, this, this, and I mean, I mean that's just how it is. And they're all upset, and they're all concerned, and they're all worried. And, and he's, he thinks he's, he's released his faith. You know, he, he's, I've asked the Father for it, but don't worry about me. You know, I know the Lord's going to come through someday. And then when the day goes by, I just can't understand it. I know I prayed. Must have been God's will. Yeah, I know. It was his will. You lose your business, right? Yeah, sure. No! But the other fellow gets up and you know what he says? Hallelujah! I asked the Lord for $200. I believe I received it and got it. Glory be to God. Everybody says, <laughs> you know, pulling on you. <laughs> Instead of saying, how did you do it? You know, tell me about it. They get all upset. Well, someone told me, he says, you think you've got a hotline to God or something? I said, no, I just have his word. Just do what his word said. But that's how they get strife and envy in the business inside the church. They get all upset about it. Well, not everybody could be like you are. Well, beloved, all he said was just don't worry about it. All he said was don't be concerned about it. I mean to tell you, it's not faith. It's not the prayer of faith that people are lacking in. It's casting their care on the Lord. They're worried about it. They're so frustrated their faith can't work. They don't release it to the Father God. And I said, well, now why, Father? Why is it that they can't release, release their problem into your hands? And he showed me why. They don't understand how much I love them. Let's look at, let's go, let's take a stroll through some scriptures, if you don't mind. Look at the 91st Psalm. <clears throat> See, when you cast your care upon the Lord... All you're doing is not, you're refusing to worry about the situation. 
No, the problem does not immediately dissipate and disappear at, at, at that moment, right at that particular time. What you've done, you've got rid of the worry. Well, the other fellow did, he kept the worry in his spirit. And all that was working inside of him, it became thorns and thistles, so the seed could not work. It choked out the word. But the other fellow just refused, if you want, I don't care what you want to call it, maybe you want to say he didn't have enough sense to worry, but I say this, he had more, he had too much sense, that's why he didn't worry. See? And so, he just knew that God was big enough to meet that situation. In the 91st Psalm, look at some of these scriptures. Let's go over here to, let's start from the beginning. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, he shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely. Say that with me, surely. That means absolutely. Positively. Surely He will deliver me from the snare of the fowler, from the noise and pestilence. He'll cover me with His feathers and under His wings will I trust. His truth shall be my shield and buckler. I'll not be afraid of the terror by night, nor for the air of the flight by day, nor for the pestilence to walk in darkness, nor for the destruction of waste at noonday. If a thousand fall on my side and ten thousand at my right hand, it won't come nigh me. Only with my eyes I'll behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because I made the Lord God my refuge, even the most high my habitation, no evil shall befall me. No plague come nigh my dwelling. He's given his angels charge over me. They keep me in, my, in all my ways. They protect me in all my ways. They bear me up in their, their hands lest I dash my foot against a stone. They keep me and protect me. And then he went on to say something else. You tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and dragon trample under your feet. But now listen. Because you set your love on him, he'll deliver you. You call upon him, he'll answer you. He'll exalt you because you know his name. He'll be with you in trouble and do what? And deliver you. And with long life will he satisfy you. And he'll show you his salvation. Now when that calamity came, no evil shall befall me. That evil there means calamity. It's not going to take a hold of me. You know why? He's given his angels charge over you. See, you didn't know that. You didn't know that the Father was out there. You didn't know that the, that the Holy Ghost was out in you and, and out there. You didn't know that the angels were listening to your voice to hear what you would say about your circumstance. Did you? You didn't know that. Yeah, but listen to me. Them angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister for us who shall be heirs of salvation. And they were listening to your conversation between you and your sweetheart. And uh, they heard you say, well, looks like we can't pay the bills. Looks like we can't get this need met. Looks like we're going to close the business on us. And so they sat back and they folded up their hands and they sat there and they looked you in the eye. And if you could see them looking at you, I bet you they gave you some real good looks sometimes. <laughs> you're so worried. You're so concerned. You're so fretful that God can't help you. The angels... They have charge over you, but they can't help you because you have guile in your mouth. The angel of the Lord encamps around about them that keep their tongue from evil and their lips from speaking guile to deliver them. But the one that's got guile and double, doubleness of speech in his mouth, they can't protect. They cannot deliver. Let's look at another, another portion of Scripture. Um, Proverbs 1, verse 33. See, you didn't know this. Here's what's wrong with the Christian. They didn't know what God said. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell how? 
and be quiet from fear of what? See, that was an evil report came your way. Came your way. And when it got there, you weren't quiet about it. No, you weren't quiet about it. You didn't walk in your righteousness. The work of righteousness shall be what? Or the fruit of righteousness shall be peace. And the work of righteousness shall be quietness and assurance forever. When it came your way, that problem was bigger than your, your father God. Did you forget that your father God was on your side? Did you forget he said no evil shall befall you? Did you forget he said no plague come nigh your dwelling? Did you forget that he has his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways? Let's go to another scripture. If you did, you'd be quiet from fear of evil. Go to the 19th uh, chapter of Proverbs. I want you to see something here. 23rd verse. We talked about this in another lesson, but we're going to see it again clearer here. The fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. Now listen. He shall not be what? Huh? What is the fear of the Lord? Keeping your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking out. Okay. The one that has the fear of the Lord, he shall be satisfied because it tends to life, and he shall not be visited with evil. When the evil came your way, you know what you should have done? You should have stopped and thought who your father was. You should have realized what this scripture said. I'll be quiet from fear of evil. There's no evil before me. Father God, do you see what's going on? <laughs> Glory be to God, I know no evil could come my way. Let's look at another scripture before I give you that. Uh, 12th chapter of Proverbs. There shall no evil happen unto who? Unto the just. There shall no evil happen unto the just. 12th chapter verse 18, 19, 20. 20. No, 21. Verse 21. There shall no evil happen to who? You forgot you were the just. You didn't realize who you were. Well, I'm trying to be just. No, you're not. You can't try to be just. You either are or you are not. You are the just. You've been justified. You know why no evil happens to the just? Here's the nugget of truth you've got, you got to grab a hold of. So that you can learn to be careful for nothing. The reason why no evil happens to the just because the just live by what? Okay. And we're talking about evil coming upon a person. When that evil comes... See, when that evil comes, that's, that's your first move right there. Either you're going to be careful and anxious about it, or you're not going to have any frets or worries about it. So you've got to make a choice. The reason why no evil happens to the just, because the just lives by faith. And when, in the 12th chapter of Romans, the faith walk... Matter of fact, go there. 12th chapter of Romans. Real quick. Hallelujah. And uh, verse 14. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. I want, you to show, I want to show the opposite effect. Verse 17. Repents to no, recompense to no man, evil for evil, provide things honest in the sight of all men. Verse 20. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with what? 
Okay, the just lives by faith. The just by faith overcomes evil with what? You know what takes faith to, to do good to someone who does evil to you? Did you know that? You know what takes faith to bless somebody who curses you? Did you know that? So, hand in hand, the life of faith is the complete opposite of the sense round. So the just lives by faith to overcome that evil that came his way by doing good. So the just, the believer, knew that no evil could befall him because the angels have charge over him and around him. So when the evil came, he referred that to his Father God. So when the evil came his way, he said, I fear the Lord and I keep my tongue and my lips from guile and from speaking evil. So consequently, evil cannot come my way. So when all this calamity, when all this chaos, when all this fear, when all the worry, when all the anxiety because of that silly little bill came to your house, or that little evil report came your way, in the face of the fact that the Father has angels around you to protect you and deliver you, in the face of the fact He said no evil will befall you, or overtake you, in the face of the, other fa of the fact that He said in His Word, there shall no evil happen unto the just or the righteous, You said, looks like they're going to close our business and we lost it all. And the father's heart went. That silly little piece of paper was greater than God's holy word. In your life. You moaned. And cried and complained. That's right. And worried so much. It meant more on that little piece of paper. It meant more in your heart than a heavenly father that said to you, Fear thou not. Be quiet from fear of evil. Why, Lord, didn't you see this report? For I am in you. Be not dismayed. For I am thy God. Yea. I'll strengthen you and help you. I'll uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Take no thought for your life. What you shall eat, drink, or put on. Don't be concerned about that measly $200. I am the Lord Jehovah. Jehovah Jireh, that provides all things for you. In my storehouses, there's a vastness, vast amount of riches and treasures. Just establish your heart in me. And realize that I am who I said I am. And realize that I won't lie to you. Consider the lilies of the field and the fowls of the air. They have great deal of need, yet they'll never starve. Your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they, O ye of little faith? Why take ye thought? See? We've never really began to understand who our Father is. The person that cannot cast his care on him does not know the Father cares for him. Or he does not know how to do it. The way to do it Beloved, 
is to know your Father cares for you. The way to do it is to know that His Word and what He said in His Word is far greater than that little piece of paper that came to your house. The way to do it is to look worry, anxiety, and fear right in the face and keep His Word before your eyes and just keep the Bible open. And when every thought of that comes your way, you look at the Scripture and say, Yes, but God said, It is written. He loves me. He's concerned about me. He cares for me affectionately and watchfully. My Father cares for me. I'm the righteous and no evil shall befall me and no plague shall come to my dwelling. No weapon formed against me can possibly prosper because my righteousness is of the Lord. And I'm the just and no evil can happen to the just. In my pathway is life. There is no death. There's no defeat. No. I'm a child of the Most High God. He's my Father. I'm His Son. Can you see that? Can you understand that? Well, he said in the 46th Psalm. Matter of fact, let's close real quickly. Right there. 46th Psalm, verse 1. Forty-six Psalm, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in what? Look at this. Therefore, we will not we fear, though the not, not though that a, a bill came to your house. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed. Oh, hallelujah! And though the mountains be ca- carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, meditate on that. That's what Selah means. Your little old two hundred dollar bill was not the earth being removed. Neither was it the mountains cast into the sea. Where is this present help in time of trouble? How close is he to you, to me? I'll only give you the scripture, Romans 10, chapter verses 6 through 10. I'm not going to, don't turn to it. I'm just telling you where it's at. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.